Paging Dr. Randy. Paging Dr. Randy. I just got on call and they're paging me already. They want me to do work as soon as I get to work. Come on. Let's go. Yes, you. Come on. Well, I'm Dr. Randy. Nice to meet you. I'm a licensed family medicine physician. Since you're on call with me today, I want to make sure you learn as much as possible. Me and a few of my special friends are here to give you all the tips and info you need to live a balanced, healthy life. Are you ready to be on call with me? I hope so. So let's get it going. Our shift starts right now. Welcome back, healthy people, to On Call with Dr. Randy your source of great health information every Wednesday. This is our fifth consecutive Wednesday in a row. And you know what the C in consecutive stands for? Consistency. So every Wednesday, I want you to have something consistent to listen to. Last week, we discussed alopecia. And the week before that, we discussed breast cancer screening. Did you listen to those episodes? Shout out to you healthy people that said yes. And boo to the people that said no. Don't don't boo them in a voice. Don't don't boo them. They still have time to listen. They can go back to listen. In addition to breast cancer awareness month, it is also depression awareness month. If you suffer from depression currently or in the past or just know someone who has depression, you should listen to this episode. This week I have on Ryan Jackson, a student at Georgia Tech majoring in sports management. He has a passion for sports, food, and adventure. Me and Ryan have a hearty, healthy discussion regarding his mental health journey. We dig deep down into discussing his battle with depression, family and relationship dynamics that affected his mental health, and how he almost took his own life. This is a very serious and enlightening episode on the struggles that someone with depression goes through on a regular basis. I hope you look at your mental health differently after hearing this episode and look at other people differently who you know suffer from depression as well. So let's go on call with Ryan Jackson. So welcome back, healthy people, to On Call with Dr. Randy. I am your host, Dr. Randy. Today we have blogger, lover of all things sports, Ryan Jackson. Welcome to the podcast, Ryan. Hey, how you doing? I appreciate you having me on. I'm glad to you know, be able to see what we can discuss about today and talk about some really good, uh, really good topics regarding mental health. Good. Good, good. Thanks for being on. So before we get started about the conversation regarding mental health, why do you love sports so much? Oh, so being in the, you know, grow up in the city of Atlanta, um, you're kind of uh, born into a couple of different uh, fandoms of different teams, uh, whether it's the Falcons, you know, the Hawks, the Braves, um, even back then in the day, uh, the Thrashers. Um, that's a real throwback right there. Um, you're just kind of mm-hmm. born into it. Um, and unfortunately, I Atlanta kind of uh, drafted me uh, into their fandom. Um, you know, of course, the ups and downs of the last couple of years. So you kind of already know what I've been through. Um, but I, I enjoy it. I love rooting for my team. Um, and then, of course, you know, participating in sports as well. Um, just that thrill of, you know, getting the win or, you know, that nervousness going up into the, the last quarter or the last event that you have to run. Um, it's, it's just kind of nothing that's like that when you're uh, on the competing stage. Um, it's just a really, really good feeling. Um, the, the goods and the best, I'll say. <laughs> right. I know the Falcons have broke your heart a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Out of all the Atlanta teams, which which one is your favorite? Is it the Falcons? Yeah, I would say the Falcons are are my favorite. Um, in between the Falcons and the and the Hawks, um, uh, but definitely the Falcons have definitely been someone that I'm I'm ride or die with. Uh, no no bandwagon for me. You know the the good, the bad, <laughs> twenty and three. You know, it's it's all it's all something that I've been a part of and uh, kind of just written now. And we're, we're going to we're going to get there one day. Uh, <laughs> and of course, I sound optimistic like every other fan. But hey, like I said, you know, once you're born into it, kind of got no choice. <laughs> Y'all not as bad as some Cowboys fans. That's another level right there. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, no, nah. they're, they're, they're on a different level and they got some different problems that they have to, to figure out, especially with the Dak being out. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So I wanted to have Ryan on to have a conversation on mental health. So mental health is very important, if not as much important as your physical health. So wanted to talk about what does Ryan define as mental health and talk about depression, anxiety, things that he's went through in the past. So specifically for depression, how do you define depression for you specifically? Um, So it's crazy because my, my definition of depression has kind of changed. Um from what I was, what place I was in a year ago to what I am now. 
um, we'll be able to talk about that. But I feel like uh, now, I feel like depression is when you come through that moment or those times in life um, when they just feel like it's impossible to really do anything. Um, and what I mean like by that is you can be knocking out schoolwork, you can be going to work, but you're not really feeling any of those emotions or really feeling what you're doing. Um, it just kind of feels like you're just kind of floating through life and not floating through life in a, in the, in a great way, but like you're being dragged and you're dragging a lot with you. And you may not even know what you're even dragging, but it just feels like every day is heavy. Um, whether it's getting up in the morning time, uh, whether it's doing the favorite things that you like to do, whether it's even watching this, watching your team play on Sunday. Um, it just like something just, just doesn't really feel right. I mean, it's really like a dark cloud that's kind of over you and you, you can feel it, but other people sometimes can't even see it. Um, that it's, it's being casted over you. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of what so, it really feels like. Right, right. And so when did you kind of start realizing for you that you start feeling some of these symptoms? Um, I think I realized that I had some of these symptoms way a long time ago. Um, of course, a lot of this kind of stemmed from uh, my parents' divorce um, around 13 years ago. Um, and of course, when you're younger, you don't really understand what depression is. And it's definitely not talked a lot about a lot in the black community. Um, of course, you know, people will say that you're you're sad about the situation that your parents are, you know, are split apart, but there was a lot more that was with that. Um, and I didn't really understand uh, to the fullest about what mental health was. You know, I think thought that you just kind of just deal with it. Um, you kind of keep going. Um, but I definitely felt like the the hard days were stacking up and it was getting worse uh, regarding my, you know, my, my mood, my attitude. I was starting to get angry, uh, less patient. Uh, and I wasn't as optimistic about the future anymore. Mm-hmm. So what happened about a year ago? Cause you kind of mentioned that earlier. Yeah. So a year ago, actually, um, this past week was the anniversary of, uh, kind of me getting to that point where I was just too tired to keep going. Um, so I did, I was at the point where I was ready to take my life. Um, and this was this past week, uh, a year ago, um, which is why I say a year ago, I kind of changed the way I look at depression. Um, but yeah, I just reached that point where I was tired. Um, I was exhausted mentally um, because, like I said, I had so much that I was dragging with me in silence um, and that a lot of people didn't really know what I was really going through. Um, and honestly, I didn't really even know what I was going through because, of course, you can, you know, you can, people can ask you like, hey, what's wrong? But sometimes you don't, I didn't even know what was wrong. You know, like the day before I went to school, I'd be fine. You know, I'd be laughing and things like that. Um, the next day, that uh, facade that I was putting going was just kind of too hard, too, too unbearable to put on. Um, so I couldn't smile. I was, cause I was, I was really sad. I was, I was mad. I was angry. I was confused. Um, and it kind of took uh, going to therapy to being able to figure out like what really was the problem. Um, because you, I kind of stuffed a lot of stuff down because I didn't want to to deal with it or face it. Um, and honestly, sometimes some of the things that I went through, I honestly forgot that it even happened um, because I had stuffed it so far down. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, sometimes when we get in those depressed moods, we may not realize until later on that we were depressed. I know sometimes when I've gone through times that I felt down specifically, it may be like two, three months later that I'm like, oh, I was feeling depressed. That's why my mood changed back then. Mm-hmm. Like, is that something that you kind of feel like or realize too that maybe reflecting back later sometimes or do you realize it while you're in the midst of it? Yeah, I think the reflection part is a big part of, you know, when you're looking back, especially going through therapy, I was able to look back in certain moments like, wow, maybe the way I was feeling before I had a a track meet or I had, you know, practice or a test. Like, I'm like, man, maybe I was I was really struggling that day. And it wasn't because I was nervous about the test. It was just I had a lot that I was holding on to and a lot that I was hiding um, that it was starting to just kind of spill out and I wasn't able to suppress it anymore. Um, so definitely the reflection piece, you you can definitely look back and see those moments in time in your life that you were like, yeah, that depression was really beating, beating up on me at that, at that time of life. Mm-hmm. So, so what was, what was specifically kind of going on that got you to that point, um, approximately a year ago when you start feeling suicidal that day? Yeah. Um, so I would say the, the depression piece is a, is a, is a snowball that turns into an avalanche, the longer that you don't deal with it, um, you can suppress it. You can kind of hide it. You can try to bring in things like alcohol or drugs or, you know, anything else. Um, but in the day, it's just going to keep piling up because you're not addressing it. Um, it's only when you address it and kind of face those demons. Um, and it's a, it's a rough process. 
but uh, until you address those demons, like they're just going to keep getting worse. Um, you know, if the temporary fixes, they feel good in the moment, it may last a month, it may last a year. Um, but eventually, you know, it's just going to, it's going to get to a point where you're unable to control your emotions, your actions, how you feel. Um, and then you just get to a point where you honestly just don't care. Um, and that's probably the da most dangerous part is when you stop caring about how you interact with other people and how you treat yourself. Mm -hmm. What does it feel like to kind of not care when you know personally that you should care about this the way it affects other people and especially affects you? But what happens internally when you feel like I just don't care anymore? Yeah, I, um, for me, I got to a point, um, I would say maybe around last June, where I got to a point where I knew that I didn't want to be here for much longer. Um, and of course, that's not something that is easily conveyed to other people. Um, but inside, I knew that I didn't want to be here um, for much longer. And that's kind of when I kind of got reckless in what I was doing, um, how I loved myself, um, how I loved others, uh, being in a relationship at that time. Um, I stopped caring about that relationship, honestly. Um, I stopped fighting, you know, to survive. Because um, at this point, at that point, I was, I mean, I was just trying to survive. Um, and you, and it's a kind of, it's a fight every day, but I got to a point where I was just too tired to fight. Um, and it's a, it's really, it's really rough when you reflect on that. Like you, it's kind of just like, kind of give up like a team is, you know, in the fourth quarter. Um, and you, you may not see that there's an opportunity to win the game. Um, but yeah, I just got to a point where I just couldn't see any way out of it. Um, without having to uh, address the sort of things that had happened prior to. And I was terrified of doing that. Um, so I got to a point where I just, mm -hmm. that just wasn't an option for me. Um, and then of course, that's when I stopped really just caring, caring about life and just caring about, you know, the people around me like that. Even though I, even, mm -hmm. it's weird because you feel the love from other people, um, but you just, it just doesn't really penetrate because you've just gotten to a place where it just doesn't affect you anymore. All right. And so you feel in the love from the other people, but how much does that self-love that you need outweigh that you need the love from those other people? Yeah, it's it's one thing to receive love, but if you can't love yourself, that's, you know, that's I think that's a uh, that's a problem that a lot of us have, um, you know, in this world that we we receive a lot of love. But at the end of the day, if you can't really love yourself um, away from that, then it's, it's really it's really hard. Um, to be able to understand and actually really receive the love from other people. Because um, then you're just kind of just pushing it away. You're like, oh, you know, that person, you know, I know they care about me, but I mean, it, I don't really know if I really even care about myself. Um, so it's kind of like a, an, an armor and a shield that you kind of put up around yourself and not allowing that love to kind of penetrate mm -hmm. and even help. Yeah. All right. So, so that's one of the reasons I want to make sure that I wore this hoodie today with my heart on it is because dealing with this conversation, just talking about this one thing that I just want to do is like spread love with, with this conversation. And yeah. like what you mentioned earlier about some of um, my patients that I talked to, a lot of them like having suicidal thoughts. I remember one specifically telling me that I just wish that someone could just erase me from this world and I would be gone. I wonder what the world would be like without me. Um, that's kind of hard to hear um, specifically, but I know it's even harder to feel. So when you're going through those like suicidal thoughts, is it something that that day, like something just hits or it's like a buildup of constantly thinking about this day by day, developing a plan and how are you going to do this that you eventually kind of got to? Yeah, I think for me that it was a buildup and then you get to a point where you don't want to keep going through that pain anymore. So, you know, the really the only other way to get there's two. There's only two really options that you have to be able to get through that. You can either, you know, talk about it with someone and maybe try to find help or you can kind of try to make the pain stop immediately. Um, and for me, I was I, I chose the latter option uh, was kind of kind of what I, you know, what I decided on. But I feel like you you go through those moments and then you may experience something that's kind of like the, the deal breaker. Um, so for me that day, um, of course, I talked about my relationship. Um, at the time, um, I was trying to kind of resolve the issue and try to, you know, plead my case of, hey, you know, I've changed, I'm going to get help. Um, but when the person has kind of already made the decision and they've already been through so much with you um, and they and they start to see that you're not even wanting to fight for yourself, um, it's going to, it's you start to push people away. Um, and basically on that day, what she said basically was that I, 
I understand that you may have love for me, but I'll never love you in the same way to be in a relationship with you. And because she was like the one person I was kind of holding on to um, to try to keep me afloat, uh, when she said that, that kind of that kind of really, really broke me. Um, looking back, you know, it's just like, man, Ryan, like, like that's that's really broke you. But in that moment, when you're going through heartbreak and when you're going through depression and you're you're just kind of holding on to at least something, um, that was that was the deal breaker for me. Um, and that was really that was really all I had um, after she said that. And that's not that's nothing on her. You know, she was, you know, at the end of the day, you have to make sure that you have to look out for yourself. And that's exactly what she was doing. Um, but of course, when, you, when you're fighting and trying to hold on to anything, uh, when you hear something like that, it's just, that's probably like the, that's like the worst thing um, that I could have probably heard in that moment. Um, and that was definitely my broken, my breaking point right there um, to be able to just say that, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and make this decision. Yeah, it could be any little comment that just kind of knocks over one little beam and makes the whole house fall down and crumble. Yeah. So that's why I, I always tell people, you never know what people are going through inside that they may or may not talk to you about. So yep. what what happened or what kind of intervention happened that stopped you from committing suicide? Yeah. So the, the crazy thing is that uh, throughout this, uh, me and my ex, we still had each other's location. Um, just shared from our relationship. And we, you know, it was never, you know. Uh, we, I don't think we ever stopped sharing it after that. Um, I think it was like kind of off and on. Um, but once I kind of disappeared, um, um, she did get kind of concerned. Um, she got in contact with my mom, my sister and my dad, actually. Um, and they ended up uh, uh, having my dad look for me. Um, he looked everywhere um, because she had my location. Mm -hmm. um, it just so happened that um, my location pinged um, to the location that I was at. Um, without me even really knowing, I think I can't remember what I was doing with my phone at the time um, that allowed for my location to come back on because I did have it on airplane mode for a long time. Uh, but I, I think there was a, a brief moment in time that maybe I checked the messages or something. Um, and because of that, I turned my phone back on. It pinged my location. Um, so my dad was able to pinpoint where I was. Um, and literally probably like an hour before I was going to you know, take my life, he was, he was able to find me where I was. Um, and that's really what saved my life. So the, the person that I felt like, you know, kind of ruined, was ruined, ruined my life in that moment. Um, it was kind of like the last, you know, the last straw, the breaking point for me was actually a person that played a big part um, in actually really finding me and giving me a second chance at life. And that's kind of funny how life mm -hmm. works. Um, so, right. Yep. Did you already, what was the plan? Um, so I was, I was going to overdose. I had I already had, I had mm -hmm. my pills. I was, I was already planning. I already knew what I was going to do. Um, yep. and then she she was already pre-worried about you like had you had conversations in the past that made her concerned that something like this may happen in the future um if i remember i may have said something you know at the end you know how you say you know how like when someone says something that you don't agree with and you try to say something to make them feel bad about what they said i think i said something like in that manner and i think it kind of concerned her um enough to be able to try to, you know, to get in contact with my dad and my sister. Um, and I know that took like a, a lot of effort because that's not just, I don't think she had their phone numbers or anything, but she probably had to look through mm -hmm. social media. So like I said, I'm, I'm very appreciative of the, of the three of them, but I'm very appreciative of, of her because I definitely wouldn't have been here without, you know, her being able to reach out to my, my, my sister and my dad. Yeah, that showed how much she, she loved and cared about you, even in the midst of kind of what y'all were going on personally in, in y'all relationship between each other. How happy and relieved were you when your dad found you? Um, I, I would say that me as a person, I was not relieved because I knew that I was going to have to face a lot of the things I didn't want to face. But I would say the most important thing is the inner child in me was was thrilled that he found me. Um, I think he was the best person that could have found me because he was kind of the reason why a lot of the trauma that I had kind of started, um, him being a big reason why my parents did divorce. I think that inner child in me was relieved that he, that he found me. Because um, I think... Honestly, the inner inner me was the one that was really hurting the most because he had really never healed. Um, that little boy in me had never really healed. Um, so I think mm -hmm. he was really thrilled in that moment. And it took the outer me to finally, you know, eventually um, become thankful that he did find me. So what, what was kind of his response when he found you? Because I don't know if he did or didn't know that what, what was about to go on with you. Did he think you were just kind of running away, needed some time to yourself? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he did. Um, being that my dad is a little bit more uh, old school, I never really felt comfortable talking to him about my mental health, um, just because I, I didn't feel like he was going to receive it the way that I 
the way that I kind of needed him to. Um, so he was, uh, I guess I think he, that he thought I just kind of, just kind of ran away. I needed a break. Um, but that night I was able to, to kind of talk to him and, and lay into him. I did lay into him about a lot of the things that I was going through. Um, and that he was the reason why a lot of the things I was going through, um, were kind of his fault. Um, and honestly, it felt really good, uh, to be able to be on the other side of just being able to like, Hey, tell him like what I was really going through. Um, and it, it took a lot off my chest in that, in that, in that moment that I was really holding back for a long, long time. Um, so it honestly really did feel good. It felt uh, a lot of relief to be able to finally get it off my chest about how I really felt. And how receptive was he to the things that you were telling him? Was he a, a good active listener? Um, so originally I think he was a little taken aback cause he didn't realize how angry I was at him. Um, so of course he was a little bit more defensive in the beginning, but then once he realized like, okay, wow, like he was, he's really, he was really hurting. Um, and he's still hurting from that moment. Um, and even though maybe I've moved on from that situation, like he hasn't, um, I think after, after a while he finally was like, Hey, like, no, you're completely right. Um, so like I said, I'm, I'm very appreciative of him being able to be respect, receptive because he could have just, you know, come still been dismissive about the whole situation um, and just took a chance to be able to listen to me. That's kind of really all I guess I really needed um, all along. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So patients have, not patients, parents have a tremendous influence in all the things that we go through in life. And it's a lot of trauma sometimes from things in the past that they may have done to us or mm-hmm. done to the entire family that transitions on to us as adults. Yeah. So with you, like you mentioned earlier, realizing some of the things that you were feeling back when you were a teenager were signs of depression. What are some of the things that you kind of reflect on as an adult that you look back as a teenager and being like, well, I was acting out because of this or depressed? Like what kind of symptoms that you kind of reflect on about you being a teenager and going through? Yeah, um, I think I was angry because I missed out on a lot of experiences like with my parents being together, Um, you know, I love my mom and she did everything that she was supposed to do and even maybe even more. Um, but there's nothing like having your dad in the house um, and having your dad grow out, grow with you. Um, and I really feel like I missed out on that, that portion of life, um, being a kid and being able to, you know, drive in the car with him and have him take me to practice or have him pick me up for practice. You know, of course he was at events, um, but it's nothing like having those moments, you know, before events or, you know, being able to have him take me to a game. Um, it kind of changed, you know, the outlook of even probably where he wanted to be at in life. Um, and I saw those struggles um, and they it, it definitely took a toll on me. Um, so looking back, I definitely feel like I missed out on a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of growth um, as a as a young man um, because he was kind of he wasn't there. Um, so that took a lot of forgiving and uh, over time. Because mm-hmm. as you talk, I'm kind of thinking and reflecting over here because you mentioned he, he left the house and they kind of separated when you were 13. And that's your transition from going yeah. from a boy to a man. And I'm assuming he was all in the household before that. So it's a major adjustment specifically at that time period of your life. Mm-hmm. Especially being at that age and being, of course, with a single mom at the time, you kind of become the man of the household in a way. Um, and I don't. I don't necessarily like the concept of that, but that's kind of just kind of the role that you, you kind of are put into um, as being the man of the household. Um, and I wasn't ready to be that. I wasn't ready to be that at all. Um, I think eventually I just kind of pushed through it. Um, but then I started to get kind of angry um, because I was not only trying to figure out who I, who am I, who is Ryan Jackson. I didn't really, I would, I didn't feel like I was a kid anymore. Um, I felt mm-hmm. like I had kind of had to grow up. Um, kind of young um, and I didn't really I wasn't able to enjoy you know being a kid at that age um, or a young boy at that mm-hmm. age um, so I feel like I definitely missed out on a lot of that um, and that inner like I said in that inner child as I kept growing up um, he was missing a lot of what he kind of earned for um, but it was because I was getting older you know I can't you know I can't feed him the way that I should have um, if I was at that age anymore because um, of course life as you, as you grow up is you know more challenges, you know, as you grow up, of course. Yeah. All right. So for you specifically, what is it like going from being a child to being the man of the household? Like, are you having to go get a job to bring in extra money? Are you having to cut the grass more often, take out the trash? What is, what is 
Ryan at age 13 or 14 being the man of the household look like at that time? Um, I think there's different there's different ways to look at it. I think, um, of course, in some situations, cutting the grass and maybe having to get, you know, like a grocery bag job, um, that's for some. But I think more so mentally, I have to be the man of the household um, for me is uh, is how I kind of had to was, was the role I kind of had to play. Um, uh, unfortunately, um, so mentally, I had to kind of grow up, even though I was a kid, um, if that kind of makes sense. Um, I had to be more, more mature um, in how I, you know, respectfully deal with my mom. Um, if she was telling me something, like, I knew that I couldn't add any more stress that she was already already feeling. Um, but I also understood, like, I'm not feeling the best either. Um, but it just kind of made me have to be a little bit more mature at that age than, you know, I probably would have would have wanted to. Like, I feel like that age, you kind of you, you kind of, you're supposed to have fun. Like you're supposed to enjoy life. Like life shouldn't feel like you're um, dragging, you know, a whole, a whole boat behind you. Like it should feel like you're, you know, you're having fun. Like that's middle school. And, you know, you should go to school every day and have fun and learn and be able to learn more about yourself. But I feel like I just kind of had my, my maturity had to kind of speed, speed up, but eventually got to a point where I had kind of tapped myself out. Um, and I no longer wanted to, you know, kind of grow up. Like I wanted to be able to be a kid. Um, but of course, like I said earlier, like life just doesn't, that's just not how life works. Did you ever get a chance to stop pulling the boat? Um, did I ever get a stop, chance to stop? Um, I think joining sports, and I know that's kind of like circled back, but joining sports allowed me to help me during that time uh, stop pulling the boat for at least a brief second. Um, so running track, um, being out on the track by myself um, and just being able to focus on what I want to focus on. Um was a big, was a big help and was kind of therapy at that time without me even knowing that it was therapy. Um, just those, you know, few minutes or seconds that you're out there just running, um, you're not, nobody else's, your focus, it's just you, um, was, was like, was really, was really big for me during that time. And I think it really kept me afloat, um, in, in a lot of ways and without me even knowing, um, during that time. So I would say sports kind of saved my life, you know, in another way as well. And I think it kept mm -hmm. me alive a lot longer, um, then maybe had I not had like a hobby or something that I was really good at. So during this whole time period with Ryan transitioning from being a boy to a man, did you and your mom get closer during this time period? Yeah. So we went through a, we went through a time where I was really angry, um, uh, like, like angry, angry. Um, and it was at a point where my mom could have made a decision where she probably could have, uh, you know, called the police on me a couple of times, um, but she didn't. Um, she was very patient with me. Um, I'm very appreciative of that because I wasn't angry at her. Um, I wasn't angry at her. I think I was angry at myself. Um, I think I was really confused, um, at the time. Um, but I got to a point where, you know, like I understood, like she, she really was supportive and very patient with me. Um, and despite me being angry, like she loved me, like there was not, it wasn't any, she, she didn't push me away. You know, she, you know, if, if anything, she brought me in even closer because she knew I needed no, I knew she knew I needed love. Um, she didn't may not not know why I was angry, um, but she she did know that I needed love. So I'm very appreciative of her, of her for that. Um, and because of that, over the years we have grown closer and closer. And I think um, the the events within this last year have even brought us even more closer. Um, like we're about to take a trip uh, this uh, Saturday to go to uh, to see like a waterfall and like a, tra a trail and just spend some time with each other. So. Um, of course, I think sometimes certain events like this, they bring, you know, you closer to certain people in your life. Um, for sure. So and definitely shout out to her. <laughs> so you said you was angry and then you said you was angry, angry. So what is angry, angry for Ryan? Uh, I think angry, angry was like it was it was a cry for help. Um, I feel like angry is when you're just kind of frustrated. But I was I think it was a, a cry for help but me not knowing what to say. Um, and it wasn't school. It wasn't, you know, sports. Um, it was the events that had happened, you know, years prior to that, um, me trying to convey that. But at the time, I still didn't really know how to communicate that. Um, and that would only take, you know, a couple more later years later for me to be able to finally be able to communicate that. Um, but at the time, I just knew that I needed, I needed love and I needed someone to just say that it was going to be okay. Um, there was it was just a lot of a lot of things that were going on at that time mentally um that i just wasn't able to you know to convey like i said um but i, I think it was definitely mm -hmm. a cry for help this is me being super angry um i think and i think a lot of people when they get to that point and just being really angry like that's just a cry for help that's like the last 
the last thing that they know that they can do to try to get maybe some attention, like, hey, that person may need some help, you know? Um, and it's just kind of sad that a lot of people kind of get ignored and they get just deemed crazy um, because, you know, they're just people from the outside are looking at them like that person is crazy. But in, in a lot of cases, that's that's their cry for help, literally, literally like their last cry for help. Right. So a lot of my listeners, they may not be going through depression or anxiety, but they may be having some children who are having the same symptoms that you had back then when you were kind of transitioning from a boy to a man. And you said that your mom expressed love towards you and helped you out in your situation. So in what ways do you recognize or felt like that she expressed love towards you in those situations? Um, I think she kind of was able to bring me back down to kind of earth. Um, Cause when you get so angry, it's like, you kind of just see red um, and you don't even know what you're, what you're angry about. Um, sometimes, of course, when you're younger, you don't really know how to express. Some, some kids don't know how to express themselves. There are a lot of kids nowadays that really are really great at expressing themselves. Um, by the time I didn't. Um, but when you see your child, you know, like express themselves in a certain way, that's like, could be angry or could be sad. That, those are the moments when you have to kind of stop what you're doing. And those are the best times to just, Hey, Hey, what's going on? And just kind of, you know, show them love. Because a lot of the times, because they're not able to communicate was, was actually the problem. Sometimes just showing them a little bit of attention and maybe even, you know, uh, going, going out to do something that they love, whether it's, you know, maybe just go play basketball. Um, those, those type of things are, you know, can are very helpful in those moments of anger or sadness or just confusion. Uh, definitely. Mm-hmm. So since the incident last year, like, how did your mom take that whole situation and how have y'all grown together? Um, of course, you know, she's, con- she's you know, very concerned because um, I don't think any parent wants to have their child reach that point of not wanting to be here. Um, yeah, no, no parent. Um, but she also understood that it was going to be on me to be able to figure out, like, if I was going to take take my mental health seriously and actually really seek help. Because you can get someone therapy, you can sign them up for classes, but in the day, that person doesn't want to, to, do, to do the work to be able to, to get better it's not going to go anywhere. Um, and that's just the reality of it. Like you have to want it yourself. Um, you know, you can have the support of a million other people, but at the end of the day, you're the one that's in that class on that, on that call, you have to be the one that's able to, you know, uncover a lot of the stuff that you went through and talk about it and actually, you know, tell the therapist, like, yeah, this is what I'm going through today. Like you actually have to really do, you know, do the work. Um, but she pushed me, she, um, she pushed me to be able to eventually, you know, start to love therapy. Um, you know, I would be honest, I'd be like, you know, coming off the call, of course, my therapist at the time didn't know, but I, I definitely left out a lot of details in my initial few sessions, um, just because I was still, you know, terrified to actually really talk about a lot of the things. Um, but eventually, I got to a point where I was comfortable. And I actually was just like, hey, you know what, you know, a couple of sessions ago, I might have left out a couple of details. This is actually really what happened. Um, because I understood that the fact that he, my therapist wanted to help me, like, he wasn't against me. He wasn't there to shame me. He wasn't there to laugh at me. He was there to help me. So if I, if I use those tools completely, like I have to use them, you know, to the, to the fullest, cause he's there for me um, to be able to help me. So I think that was the biggest part of her being able to, to push me. Um, and just, you know, every, after every session, just saying that she was proud of me um, for doing so. Were you seeing a therapist before this? Um, so I, I think initially I, I did try. Um, I think that was around like July. Um, I think it was more so just to do it, to try to kind of save my relationship, but not really doing it because I wanted to do it for myself. If that makes sense. Um, so I did try. Um, I think it was it maybe lasted maybe like like three weeks, but I didn't I didn't really get anything from it. It was more so just, you know, like, hey, hey, this I'm doing therapy, you know, um, <laughs> you know, I'm doing good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't necessarily uh, meaningful you know, or impactful. Um, it wasn't until, you know, after um, my suicide attempts that I finally was able to actually have a, a therapist that I actually, you know, went to and actually really seek his help. Yeah. So talk to me a little about the process of finding a therapist. Um, did you go to your yeah. primary care doctor and they suggested someone or reached out to some family members, friend? You went on TikTok and searched therapists. What'd you do? Uh, so actually, my mom... My mom, so she has such a big network. She actually was connected with someone that actually knew a therapist that um, they recommended um, for me to reach out to. Um, and, and I think literally that day, that night that she <laughs> asked for the recommendation, we uh, had the initial call with the therapist and we got started literally that next week. 
Um, so luckily, my mom was able to find someone. But there's a, there's a lot of great therapists out there. Um, they're everywhere. You know, like I said, you can find them on TikTok. Um, they always have their links in their bio. Um, it's really just about finding the one that you're going to mesh well with. That's going to allow you to be your true, authentic self with. Um, so for me, I knew that I wanted another man as my therapist um, because I I needed to be able to. Um, there's some of the things that you can't talk to with another woman um, that you need to talk to with another man with, if that makes sense. Um, and to be able to hear mm-hmm. his experiences with life, um, I think that was something that I really, I really seeked. Um, of course, um, the last couple, the last year, I've been able to get closer with a lot of men in my life, um, whether it's my uncle um, or my two uncles, um, other men, other mentors. Um, I definitely really have a growing my village of uh, the men in my life to be able to, you know, have a really great influence on me. Um, I'm very appreciative of them, um, including my therapist and my dad. Definitely. That's good that you knew what type of therapist that you were looking for specifically and what that therapist could bring to you. Like I've been doing therapy probably like a year and a half, two years, but I wanted to get a woman therapist to give me a woman's opinion on different things and have somebody outside of my guy circle to shed light on other things. So when you're looking for a therapist, you've got to sit down, make a, make a list of things that you want that therapist to talk to you about and how you want them to talk to you. So that's, that's one of my suggestions for, for my listeners. Um, did you ever think about or did you ever feel like you needed to be on any medication to help you out with your mood? Or did you just feel like you needed to talk out um, the things that were going on? Yeah, I think a lot of it was just I needed to talk about it because um, I was holding it in. Um, there was kind of just like I was poisoning myself because I was holding it in and not talking about it. Um, and once I was able to learn how to talk about it and get things off my chest in that moment, like if I'm if I'm going through something right now, I'll be able to tell you like like Dr. Randy right now, I'm exhausted. Because I'm, I work out in the morning time. I have my internship, and I work every every single night. That's what I do. Those are the things things I do. I'm exhausted. Even on this phone call right now, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Um, but I'm able to I'm able to communicate that instead of getting on this call and just moping around and just you know I'm yawning and you're like what is what is going on? But I'm able to physically kind of communicate that now. So now the people around me are like, oh, okay, Ryan is you know he's he's already voiced it. He's exhausted. When he leaves his internship, he has another job. So. Today, we may just give him a little bit of a lighter load today, and then whatever's left, we'll finish and we knock it out tomorrow. Um, so that that piece, being able to communicate, is a big reason why I'm at the place I am now um, and being able to be vulnerable um, and just really share what I'm going through in that moment um, and not being scared to um, to let other people know and not want to just hold it on, hold on to it, and just kind of stuff it down. Yep. So it seems like it's been able to help you to va- better uh, verbalize things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I definitely in life up to this point, like I just was not good at communicating. Um, I'm, I'm a really great listener. Like if you, you know, wanted to talk to me on the phone for three hours about what you're going to do, that's great. As soon as you ask me, Hey Ryan, how are you feeling? Oh yeah, I'm good. I'm all right. And then I would just try to <laughs> try to pivot right back to, Oh, so you said, that, so you said, what about that person? Just to try to, you know, to segue back to, you know, <laughs> let you talk. Um, Cause I was not a big mm-hmm. talker. Um, whether it was family events or anything, just not just not big at sharing. Um, but I, it's been a complete 180 um, from this uh, over this past year um, with me regarding communication, being more talkative, and just sharing, you know, what I'm going through. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same way here. I'm an introvert that likes to to socialize. Introvert that likes to socialize. I'm not a big talker, even though I started a podcast, which doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> That's how I yeah, like sometimes. Yeah, it's definitely. <laughs> definitely getting me outside of my comfort zone but that's what therapy i think helped me out as well getting comfortable having those uncomfortable conversations because previously those things would make me feel just so drained and tired like you were just kind of expressing earlier but just knowing that it's getting those thoughts out and those feelings out um, takes less work than keeping those feelings in because it takes a whole lot to just ball up those feel- feelings or keep them kind of weighted on your back um, so how much has um, writing helped you out in expressing yourself? Because I know you do your blogging. Yeah, so my blog. So that's definitely something that I've I've always loved to write, um, whether it's fiction, nonfiction. That was something that I always loved to do. Um, not on the level of wanting to be maybe like even like a journalist, but just being able to freely write about my experiences um, has been something that I've really loved to do. Um, honestly, it's even more therapy for myself than I do it for writing it for other people. Um, just being able to write it down and type and stamp all night and uh, reflect on like, maybe a time in life that I was going through. 
Um, and then the, the extra piece is if it impacts somebody else, now that's even better. Um, cause not only am I, mm -hmm. you know, using this as a form of therapy, but I'm also able to, you know, to impact other people, um, that may have been in the same situation as me or even approaching the same situation as me. Um, especially as men, I think that's my main kind of my main focus is for men to learn how to be, to be vulnerable. And it is not a scary thing to be vulnerable. Um, I think that it kind of gets a bad light through social media being vulnerable, um, people taking advantage of you, but that's just not. That's just not the reality. Um, a lot of people want to know what you're going through so that they can help you. Um, and then you not only that, you're also going to be able to help the other people around you and your friend groups, especially as men. I feel like we hold on to a lot of stuff. Um, and if they see you being able to share a lot of things, they're, they're going to follow suit as well. Um, sometimes it just takes that one person to kind of, uh, kind of change uh, the perspective on what it feels like to share, to share actually what you're really going through. Right. Because more people are watching you more than you realize the yeah. influence that you have over them. You may not even know. They may not express to you. They over there, people watching from a distance, the things that you're doing. They may yeah. read your blog, but don't tell you. But reading your blog may help them to go to therapy. Um, who who yeah. suggested for you to start your blog? Um. So it's, <laughs> so it's going to be the sound like the craziest thing, but literally maybe a year before uh, I even started, I knew that I wanted to, even going through my depression, I knew I wanted to write about my experiences. Um, so I, I knew that I wanted to to start a blog um, and talk about, but maybe it was going to be from a different perspective. Maybe the topics were going to be a little bit darker, um, but I still wanted to be able to express myself um, through my blogs. Um, so I knew that I wanted to write, but of course, I always, I kept pushing it back and being like, uh, maybe next month, next month, next month. Um, because I was just going through so much at the time, but then, uh, through therapy, I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm going to start it. I'm just going to do it. Um, so I, I, I released my, my first post on my birthday last year, um, November 17th. So, um, I was really, I was really proud of myself for finally doing it because for so long I would always push stuff back or not do it at all and not go through with it. Um, but this is like the first thing that I actually really went through, through with that I can say that I actually was like, yeah, I, I did this wholeheartedly and I said I was going to release it and I did it. Um, so I was really proud of myself for that. So as we wrap up, if there's someone who's listening, who's in a dark place right now, mentally, physically, all of the above, what kind of tips would you give them to help them get out of that dark place? Well, off top, I would say, give yourself grace. Um, grace is the biggest thing that I learned through therapy. And honestly, it's the number one thing that I use every single day in life. Yes, there's going to be hard times. There's going to be good times as well. But in those bad times, give yourself grace. Like you're going to make mistakes. There's going to be hard days. There's going to be people that are not rooting for you. There's going to be people that are going to hate on you. Um, there's people that are just not going to like you. Um, but get your, give yourself grace. Say what you did good, learn from the bad, and then come back the next day and give your and give it everything that you got. Um, whether it's 10%, 15%, 99%, just give everything that you got to it. Um, and this grace, that that's the biggest part. Just give yourself grace. You know, this this world is already hard on us, especially um, learning now as, as in the young adult, like it's hard, you know, being in your 20s is hard, you know, and, and of course, you know, the older that you get, the more responsibilities that you, that you have, but just give yourself grace, you know, um, every single day that you're alive is another chance to be able to turn the tables around. Um, and I know that right now it probably looks real rough right now, the tunnel <laughs> is real dark, but I promise you there's a light at the end of that tunnel. Um, and just take every single day to look, work on one, one thing that you can work on and just focus on that. But yeah, give yourself grace for sure. That's good words right there. And, and find some way as hard as it is to find some way to love yourself. Like it's mm -hmm. easier said than done, but find that inner love and not try to get it from an outside source. If you're not loving yourself, like nobody else is going to love you more than the way that loves you. All right. Yeah, and so I always end my podcast with randy's random questions are you ready ryan i like it i'm ready <laughs> <laughs> all right so random question number one so if you could play any professional sport which sport would it be and why um uh <laughs> i'm track and field um it's crazy because actually right now i'm training and preparing to um in the springtime trial for a professional team so i'm doing i'm doing a lot of the work right now um, to eventually, you know, to, to give to try out um, for that. So that's definitely on the prayer list and on the on the bucket list to be able to get onto a pro team. Yep. 
Okay, that's what's field. up. So, 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 what event? You can't leave us just hanging, oh, just yeah. track and field. So broad. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, the, the eight hundred is my main race, um, and then of course I want to mm-hmm. be able to also run the four hundred as well. Um, but the eight hundred—that's my—that's my bread and butter right there. <laughs> All right. So, so why do you like the eight hundred? Um, I like the eight hundred because it's the hardest race out there. Like, there's nothing harder than the eight hundred. It's a sprint for two laps. Um, it used to be something that you could, you know, sprint one lap. But nowadays it's it's a dog fight. Um and I love and I love that feeling of like I know every single time I step into the track for the eight hundred meter, it's about to be a dog fight. Like the eight people that are, you know, lining up next to me, like we're all about to be out here fighting. Now, some people are gonna go hard on the first lap, some people are gonna go hard on the last lap, but it's gonna be a dog fight no matter what. Um and just being out there for those two laps, um, something about that middle ground between a 400 being one lap and then a mile being four laps, that two laps of just having those two laps are just like peace um, where nothing that you can hear is just like the footsteps. Um, and, you know, of course, you know, on running on under two minutes, of course, you have that amount of time, but it's just therapeutic um, and just, it's nothing like it. I, I, it's hard to explain until you actually really run it. Um, but that last 200 meters, um, when you see it on the TV, like, and you see their facial expressions, like you see like, the passion and the hard work really comes out in that last 200 meters on an on a 800. Um, that passion is just, it's nothing like it. It's a really a euphoric feeling. Shout out to all them runners. I'm out there running my neighborhood, <laughs> but I ain't running for no medal. I'm just running to stay in shape in my hilly neighborhood. I'll be huffing and puffing no, no, out there. Yeah. All right. So question number two, last question. What is peace for Ryan? Peace. I feel like peace for me right now is the fact that I know that every single day that I wake up, that I have another chance at being a better Ryan Jackson. Um, I feel like that's peace for me. Um, in the past piece was something that I, I, I was looking for and I earned and I didn't really know how to achieve. Um, but just going through what I've been through this past year, like peace, like every single day is like, even though I'm tired, I may be exhausted physically or even mentally. Um, but I know that I'm in a place where, I'm better than I was a year ago and I'm better than I was yesterday. So that's peace for me, you know, um, this every single day, like I said, that I have, you know, a chance to be alive and being able to work on myself. That's peace. It really is. Okay. That's what's up. I don't know if you can associate peace with the Falcons. That's another story, but we're going to, we're going to pray on those Falcons. <laughs> so how do people find more out about you about your blog social media stuff if you want to throw that information out yeah so you can find me on social media at just rye ry underscore underscore christopher um that's my personal page and then my blog page is uh pain behind a facade um and that's uh, my blog and also my website so you can find those um, if you want to um, look for me on there, I'll be on there and then on my, my social page as well. Um, you can definitely contact contact me, reach out to me. If you want to reach out to me through my blog, you can also do that as well. I, it's very appreciative and I definitely do try to reach out, reach back out to, to anyone that reaches out to me, for sure. Have people like kind of reached out to you um, after reading yeah, your yeah. story and hearing your story? Yeah, people reach out to me all the time. Like, you know, just thank you so much for being able to post this and be vulnerable with yourself. Um, so... It, th- those those that it, it feels really great when you have people reach out to me um and they're able to be vulnerable and just say thank you for you know for me writing the piece or, and they, they took at least one thing away from it um it really does mean a lot yeah. right so thank you for being on here and being vulnerable and sharing your story the things that you discuss and said today may change somebody's life may save somebody's life may change the way they kind of interact with their family members with their own ch- children, their parents as well. They may go address some issues and talk to them just based upon your story and being open and honest. So I really appreciate you for being on my podcast. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me on here. And I, like I said, I just hope that maybe if I can impact one person, that means a lot. You know, that's, I think that's, that's, that's my main goal. At least try to impact one person, you know, if, if many more follow, that's, that's great. But uh, saving one person's life, that's, you know, that's, that's an amazing feeling um, to be able to, to be able to do that. All right. Appreciate it, Ryan. Yeah, no problem, Dr. Randy. Thank you so much. You have a wonderful evening. All right.
Depression can be a daily struggle. There are multiple different signs that one can have that they may not realize is depression. This includes difficulty with concentration, insomnia, weight gain or loss, and feeling tired, just fatigue, just a rundown feeling, feeling like a heavy burden is on you, just that tired fatigue. If you think you're suffering from depression or feeling suicidal, make sure to seek help immediately. Don't take time to wait and talk about your take care of your mental health later. Get it in order now. This is your coming to Jesus meeting right here, listening to this episode, because somebody listening needs to go get their mental health checked and is just fighting to do that. I have added some resources in the show description to provide support. So check out those resources. Thank you, Ryan, for being on and sharing your story. You have definitely shared some great information that will benefit a lot of people. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, subscribe, and share with others. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave a comment. Hopefully it's a positive one. But we'll take a comment. Leaving a comment plays a major role in making this podcast successful. Also, check out my YouTube channel. If you'd like to see a visual portion of On Call with Dr. Randy, just go to YouTube and search for On Call with Dr. Randy. Yes, sounds so cheesy, but search for On Call with Dr. Randy on YouTube. You'll see a picture of me and see some of my former episodes, including this one. I will see you all next week. What day of the week? Yep, Wednesday. So I'll see you all Wednesday next week. And as always, stay healthy physically and mentally.